Ding dong, the Wicked Witch is dead. What is up, y'all? We are back with another po- edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I'm Justin Michael. I'm joined by my main man, Andre Simone. Oof. Today was supposed to be a basketball-only episode. Um, I had all kinds of basketball notes ready. We will hopefully have some time to talk hoops at the end. Obviously, a massive week for CSU men's hoops. St. Mary's coming up at home tomorrow or at Saturday, excuse me, probably the biggest home game at CSU in seven years. So I'm really, really looking forward to that one, but we got to talk about the, the bigger news. And that's that Steve Adazio was out after just two seasons, 16 games, total $3 million buyout. I'm a little bit surprised that CSU ponied up for it, but I think they might've been at a position where they would have been a more of a financial liability not to let him go. Dre, what was your just initial reaction with through all of this? Really just hallelujah. Um, it wasn't working out. It felt like even us, you know, not to get too inside baseball, talking a little behind the scenes of what kind of recruiting content do we want to do as that's coming up and just like the lack of excitement that there is going forward. It's something you and I have talked about on shows before. Um, how like where's this team even at once the McBrides leave once Scott Patchen leaves like once the guys who you know were fun to root with and were fun to stay invested in Rams football once those guys are are gone what happens to this three to four win football program then um, and it, it it's just so much of college football's about momentum and they'd been like stuck in the mud for two years plus. Well, I just, I think the the big selling point with Steve Adazio, at least the, the people that were hoping it would work out, was that, look, he's a guy who didn't have a ton of success in the ACC, but was able to, you know, keep a, a team in terms of resources at the bottom of the conference relevant, you know, mm-hmm. in the bowl conversation. Right. The thought was, okay, well, if he could do that in the ACC, maybe he can come out to the Mountain West, a little bit lower level of competition. He's obviously coached at, you know, Florida, won a national championship there as an offensive coordinator, all that, you know, maybe it'll translate to more success here. Or at least that's what he was sold as. You know, Joe Parker came out and he told the media the day he was introduced, you know, he's going to compete immediately. And all we heard repeatedly from Adazi over the last two years is about how like there was so much work to be done and all the excuses on why they weren't competing immediately. And it's like, what? that's what you were brought in here to do, guy. And were there holes? Yeah, of course. And and of honestly, course. like playing devil's advocate, it was not an easy situation taking over a program at the start of the pandemic. And then obviously the no, whole coaching no. investigation, which turned up mostly end up ending up being more about the previous staff. Like that didn't help his cause no, either. It was kind of a disastrous start yeah, off and, the field. And that's unfortunate. Like yeah. maybe things go differently if he doesn't have to deal with those. Maybe not. But the reality is, is just four and 12 and 16 games isn't good enough, especially when you know, you're know you a CSU fan and you're looking at Utah State. That program was in complete disarray last year, literally quit on the season. They're in the Mountain West Championship in the first year with Blake Anderson. I just, I think you have to have higher standards when you have the facilities that CSU mm-hmm. has, mm-hmm. when you have the selling points that this university has, you can't yeah. be content with going, you know, three and nine. And like you said, they're just, there weren't really any positive indications None. that things were going to get better. None. This team, if anything, regressed. Again, being yeah. fair to Steve, like I do think injuries played a massive factor, at least on the defensive side of things. You know, losing all those linebackers that was a factor. 
but I mean, every team in the country has injuries. Like that, that's just part of the well, season. A hundred percent. And it would, I mean, again, I come back to the depth he had behind, you know, that's where you see the program he was building. Yeah. Is the depth behind these starters who mostly were brought in, not when he was there. Um, and you know, it's just, I, you you expected him to compete a little more early on. This is supposed to be one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Um, you'd expect him to kind of get you right in the trenches. That didn't really occur. Um, a competitive team, a fun team at times, a severely limited and one-dimensional team. Could never quite get that out. Kind of hitched his wagon to Todd Santeo. Yeah, I mean, they ran Patrick O'Brien out of town. You yeah. had a guy that was preseason all-conference, yeah. and you ran him out of town. Yep. And, yep. and Santeo wasn't, like, I'm not trying to put this on his shoulders. Like, he's the reason they went 3-9. and nine. He improved significantly as a passer as the season went on. He did. You know, he's a legitimate threat as a runner. I hope they keep Todd Santeo just because at this point, he's an experienced quarterback, mm-hmm. and you don't want to be mm-hmm. in that position now. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll have to see. Like, whoever they hire is going to want to bring in their own guy. We'll see how that all plays out, but... Just, I think it's a move that had to be done, frankly. Like, I, when you think about how empty Canvas Stadium was in that Nevada game, yeah, that already was kind of make, making me start to like change my line of thinking a little bit. Cause all year I'd been like, I just, I think that number's too high. I don't right. think they can afford three right. million and then go out and, you know, pay a million plus for whoever they end up bringing in. But I mean, if you lose all of your season ticket holders, I've been told from a source inside the program that the amount of actual like donors, you know, the people that are a part of the football program, it's like less than 30 now for CSU football wow. for a D one football team. Yeah. And you know, I, that's not an official number from CSU. This is from a source inside the program who I trust that they would, they would definitely know, yeah. but comparatively basketball has about four times that right now. And that just kind of shows you that the difference in perception with these programs, the fans were done, the donors were done. The press was done. I mean, I think there were four sure, people that covered sure. the game, and three of us ended up writing columns that Adazio had to be fired. My guy, Eddie, I don't think did, but he kind of sticks to traditional beat reporting. So, like, anybody that had a say or, you know, anybody that was talking about CSU football over the last week was basically just like, man, this is terrible. What an embarrassment. Totally. And, I mean, you saying all that, all I go back to is uh, not the last time we were doing this, but the time before that. Um, and where the program was at then as Jim McElwain's getting poached by Florida. Um, Feels like 20 years ago at this point. Yeah, no kidding. And they're kind of taking on a national search and settled on Mike Bobo and just, I mean, all the talk of the the resources and the facilities and even some buzz of flirting with the Big 12 and just a massive drop-off. And obviously Adazio is a much smaller part of that six-year drop-off. But um, it has felt striking and drastic in these last two years. And you just had to stop the bleeding. I think that's the bottom line. I mean, I think from a facility standpoint, academics, all of that, CSU has put itself, if it had enough success, to where it could be in the the conversation for expansion. (laughs) But before, I mean... Before we come back to that at this point, I mean, like, yeah. they've got to be relevant in their own conference. Yeah. You haven't won the Mountain West since 2002. You're 1 in 16 yeah. against Wyoming Air Force and Boise State since 2016. Yeah. And your one win 
was against Wyoming in an empty stem in an empty stadium in the pandemic. A little bit of a tongue twister there. You got to win the games that matter. Like again, yep. coming back to the whole selling point of Adazio was this is a guy. He's going to prioritize rivalries. He's going to, you know, toughness. We're going to compete right away. Totally. And then he's going to build the foundation as he does it, you know, locally. It just didn't happen. Not the case like, at all. You did recruit Colorado better than Bobo did. I, I mean, I would give him props for that. Even so, they're not really landing the top talent in this state. They're not even really in the conversation. So it's like, right. yeah, it's it's great that you're getting more Colorado kids, but also... It doesn't really matter. You need the Colorado kids right. that are going to play and make a difference. Right. And, you know, a couple of them, they got Jack Howell, a guy that was really under-recruited, freshman safety that, that played awesome. But it just, there wasn't enough to hang your hat on, not enough to justify it coming back. And I just think yeah. they were... They were in a tough position, so kudos to CSU for biting the bullet and making the tough call. Like I, I definitely did not expect this to happen a month ago. I mean, Joe Parker went on a Ram Nation podcast literally in the beginning of November, basically telling people to get used to the frustrations that come with program building and losing is part of it, and you can see it. Well, a month later, it's over. Yeah, and um, those rivalry games, I think, is a great point. Honestly, that might be my one of the few counters to this move, maybe being a little too rushed because I think there is an opening in the Mountain West with the kind of turnover we have seen at those top programs. Fresno, San Jose State's been poached a couple times over. Boise now. Uh, SDSU, not so much, but, you know. They might, though. I mean, right. Brady Hoke might be in a Power right. 5 conversation exactly. after getting them back at 11-1. and one, you And know? much like some of the other programs I've mentioned, they've been through their ups and flows. You know, when you're good, it's hard to have that continuity. Well, the programs that have been able to have continuity, on the other hand, in the conference, are Air Force and are Wyoming. And those are the teams, I mean, I don't care who it is. I don't care what your resume is. Figure out... Circle those games. Figure out how to get wins against those programs. Those are the games that matter more than yeah, anything. Like, like at the end of the day. Period. I mean, it's it's that simple. You know, like you just can't be derailed by Air Force the way they have been. And you I just know can't it's be wonky, manhandled like, by Wyoming. Right? Because it's wonky, you should figure it out eventually. <laughs> like, right? Uh, and and I mean, it wasn't just that they lost. It's that they got completely... They didn't even look like they belonged in the field, at least in the trenches. Mm-hmm. You know, like Dante yes, Wright, Trey yes, McBride, your yes, superstars, yes. those guys are making plays down the field. In the trenches, though? Nope. I mean, you just got completely overmatched. And again, like, right. that's supposed to be Adazio's bread and butter. Everything that he was sold on as, you know, his strengths as a coach, they it just never came to fruition. And like, like I said, if you're just tuning in now, I've already conceded that it... You know, some of this process was wonky and the pandemic and all that, like none of that helped his cause. Oh, but at the course. end of the day, it's a results business. And if you're not getting the results and on top of that, you're also alienating everybody. I mean, let's let's be real. He was pretty antagonistic. You don't have to be nice to the media. I'm not like no, one of those guys no, who had who my cares? feelings hurt because he didn't like my question. That's, that's part of the game. The yeah, next yeah. coach is going to not like some right. of my questions as well. But you need the fans in your corner. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't have anyone. No, he really didn't. I mean, he kind of, and it wasn't even one of those where he lost the support. They weren't really there from the start. His tenure started in such a rough way. He he never even had that honeymoon period. 
there was never even a semblance of momentum. I it was talked like a about week momentum. after that Wyoming win, and then they got right. embarrassed by right. Boise State almost immediately after. And it was, was like, a, well, that was fun while yeah. it lasted. Yeah. So yeah, the positive moment. It was so there was so little of it, you know, to build off of. And, and it's man, it's hard to run a, a football program when you don't have that. Even this year, like you get to three and three, you're sitting in first place mm-hmm. in the Mount Division, and then what happens? You have the Utah State debacle, where you just you completely mismanage. Get, I mean, there's really no. no way to sugarcoat it. Like they just completely blew what should have been a winnable situation, and it just compounded from there. They never recovered. Honestly, if they win a couple of those games, Adazio's probably coming back. Oh sure, but sure. the fact that they went zero and six, got completely embarrassed by Air Force and Wyoming in the process really blew a game against Boise state and then Nevada comes in and just yeah. kicks your teeth in. Well, and also, I mean, how much, you know, in an empty home stadium, it was such a sad scene. And man. how much does that, f- I, 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 I regret to admit, I didn't watch a minute of that. It just felt sad. And you the didn't way, miss anything. You, the if way you watch the Carson going, highlight, right. The right. Carson strong highlights, you're good. Um, just from the outside, though, it felt like, God, to get beat like that, they must have given up completely. I, I mean, you could see it. It was 14-0 like three minutes into the game. I mean, they just yeah. – that was a defeated team. It did not go well, and it was time for change, and, like, it's it's time to move forward. We heard from Joe Parker today. We'll hop in. We'll talk about some of the candidates here in just a second. Um, Joe claimed that the ejection did not play a factor into it. If you if you did not watch that game, Steve Adazio was the second FBS coach in history <laughs> to be ejected for multiple unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. Really weird situation. I mean, there's all kinds of theories. I've had people DM oh. me and be like, he wanted out, and like maybe he did. Maybe right. that was him. Right. Just they were down 31 to zero at that point. Like maybe he knew the writing was on the wall, and that's him going out with his middle fingers in the air right maybe that's him just defending his guys you know maybe he truly was just defending his players and it's all kind of coincidental but the fact that the the lasting image that we're left with from the stevia dazio era is him jogging to the locker room after being ejected on senior night a night that should not have been about him it should have been about celebrating the mcbrides and ryan stonehouse and barry wesley and all these people who'd been through a whole just mess of shit in their career but had remained committed to csu and it was just, it was all about him. And I yeah. think like at the end of the day, CSU did what they had to do. Um, how fast do they need to make this hire? Because, you know, we talked about continuity is obviously going to be a big factor. They have, they have to nail this hire. Like they can't, two years from now, they can't be looking for another coach again. They really can't. Or CSU is basically just going to fall into irrelevancy with the way that the landscape of college football is changing. So I mean, I, I got to think like a week would be about the longest you can go, especially with the early signing period coming up. That is the bitch of it all is the early signing period coming up. Um, I would warn, though, it's so much more important to get this hire right. Than to rush it just for recruiting. It, like yeah. if you have a bad recruiting class this year, it is what it is. And I mean, I mean, the transfer portal has kind of changed exactly. to where it's. Exactly. You can find talent. You can go out and you can plug smalls. There's JUCO. Right. There's all kinds of rats. Right. You just have to get this higher right. Because yeah. if you mess this up again, I don't want to be too dramatic, but like it could act legitimately be the death well, of CSU football. It sets you back in, in massive ways. And we're going to, that's why I say, that's why I say that because to some, to many extents, this, this recruiting class is lost already. 
That's the shame in changing coaches this often is you basically are punting on that recruiting class. And no program can afford to punt on multiple recruiting classes and really like that just isn't how you build the recruiting a class he program. had was a, like a pandemic one so it's right. just like they're just right. there hasn't been a lot of talent that's been brought in you're basically deferring on this one hopefully that you know the new coach can persuade some of these guys to say i will say no disrespect to anybody currently committed to csu or anything like that it's if you look at the recruiting rankings like csu's like 120th or something like yeah that. sure the, right early indications were that this wasn't going to be that strong of a of a recruiting class anyway we got a comment here from my guy nicholas toffelmeyer he says joe in an interview with mike brohard of csurams.com they did a, a separate show after the press conference said seven to ten days which i mean that that makes about sense like you can't rush the process but you also can't drag your feet either i hate that the ad is saying that though I hate that the AD is thinking in those terms. I wish he would have answered that question as I just did, that it's more important to get this right than it is to follow some timeline. He may actually believe that, though, to be honest. I mean, sure, to, sure. Me, it, to me, it could just be an instance where he's like, I, I don't know, like seven to ten days, hopefully. Right, right, but, right, you sure, know, right. if it's 21, it's 21. Absolutely. It is what it is. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. We're going to get into the candidates here in just a sec, but I want to shout out my friends over at Chevalier Mortgage. Something to keep in mind for our homeowners. With prices going up, it's creating natural equity in your home. If you have mortgage insurance, chances are you can refinance out of that. Make the bubble work for you. If you're in the buyer's market, you know how stressful trying to buy a house is right now. I mean, in Colorado, it's just crazy, guys. The housing market out here, it's loco. So let my friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this process. They're just going to alleviate so so much stress and take some of that worry off your plate. They're proud DNVR members. They're CSU alum. They work nights. They work weekends. They do what it takes to make sure their clients get the best loan for their situation. If you go to dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 or Mike directly at 970-412-2472. Or one last time, go to dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. It's almost like I do that one every day. <laughs> um, second nature at this point. Almost, almost. I do love my friends, Mike and Virginia Chevalier, though. They Good are people. absolutely great. <clears throat> yeah. Got people that have commented, talking about their experiences. But um, let's talk about the candidates. Um, CSU, they are going to use a search firm collegiate sports associates there's also been a committee established by the university of people you know with csu's interest to kind of help lead this front who's Uh in that we shall see i imagine it'd be like a former player or something you know i'm sure the president's involved tony frank those type of people um candidates though the obvious is obviously uh tony alford you know ohio Uh state's running backs coach played at csu he has been in the conversation the last two hires, got passed over for Mike Bobo and then again for Steve Adazio. Pro's uh, program has worked at one of the biggest programs, obviously one of the best recruiters in the country. Right. Khan's never been anything higher than a running backs coach. Yep. And right. there's a lot that goes into running a program, more so than just recruiting and, you know, like being an alum. Obviously, that stuff can help. It can be very beneficial, it can be very exciting. 
would you be concerned about bringing a guy in with no offensive coordinator experience? Or at this point, is he worth taking the risk on just because he's such a respected recruiter? He's had success at Ohio State. Is it worth the gamble? It's an interesting question. And I really think in, in many ways it needs to be answered based on how you can structure your staff with the economic limitations you have in this state. And so are you, is it easier to find and recycle over a two to three year period, a good play caller and coach or a good recruiter? Which one is going to, which one do I need my head coach to carry extra weight? I don't know the answer. I really don't. Yeah, I think it's probably situational. It just depends. It's you just have to make sure that that balance is correct, whatever totally. it is. Right. You know, exactly. Like, if you have a guy that's just a great game manager and he's like, you want to know what? Recruiting isn't necessarily right. my strongest suit. Right. There's no goal. Then go rule. get that OC. Go get that you know Darren Cheverini type that, who's respected for his recruiting prowess. Obviously, it didn't work out for him as a play caller, but that was kind of like what he was leaned on, right? At CU, it was just. Right. You're the guy that goes out and gets the Ashad Claytons of the world. Yep, exactly. Yeah, you'll kind of own Texas. And, and you know, it's easier to kind of recycle through play callers and guys like that, you know. That's a good point. It's it's something they're going to have to balance. I mean, at this point... But he'll need a lot of experience and help. Yeah, you. I think... I mean, a lot. I mean, if you could bring in Alfred, like, in that instance, if you bring in, you know, a more experienced offensive coordinator, maybe somebody that's been a head coach already or at least has been an OC for a long time and has been a part of running the program and, like, handling all that, I I wouldn't have a problem with it. Obviously, it would be, like, Mike Bobo, but if his name was, like, Mike Boba, like, just just got fired (laughs) as an... Right, like, has experience as a head coach, has been OC at big programs before... He's available right now. You know, that build type. build a staff with a few guys like that you can lean on, you know? That's and they they're... lean on you to know the program, know kind of mm-hmm. cement those roots a little more, recruiting, what have you. I would like, I mean, I think Alfred's firmly going to be in the conversation. I definitely think at this point he has a better chance of getting the job than he had in either of the previous two just because – He's continued to impress at Ohio State. He continue, right. you know, if you tune in, like, well, if Ohio State would have been in the Big Ten championship this weekend, for instance, the Fox broadcasters would have been like, "Oh man, Colorado State, they should consider Tony Alford. Everything right, he's done." Right, right. You get that national allure that comes with them, and and just being associated with Ohio State, it is a gamble, though. And I just that is the point of I want course. to make clear: is oh, when you course. bring in a coach that's never managed, that's never had to handle all of that. Yep. It is a gamble. And there's, Massive gamble. There's a lot that comes into that. So we, we shall see. Uh, some other candidates with CSU ties. Billy Gonzalez, the wide receivers coach slash passing game coordinator at the University of Florida, also played at CSU. SEC experience. He has more game management experience right. than Alfred right. does. I do like that if you're going with a CSU tie guy. Again, though, like a guy that's mostly been a positional coach throughout his career. Yeah, and I mean, unlike Alford, who at least that program he's at has stayed at very high levels, you know. It's just not as flashy of a hire altogether. I mean, how how hot is the stock of, like, Florida's offensive staff right now? Probably not very. I mean, (laughs) Dan Mullen's not there, so not great. Right, no, I mean, it's it's basically a, uh, yeah, yeah. 
not great. Not great. Wouldn't get me too excited. No, I, I just threw his name out there because... Oh, you got you know, to. You got CSU to. CSU tie, SEC experience. Yep. Um, yep. A guy that... This is probably my favorite candidate. I have no idea if he'd even be interested in the job. Clint Kubiak, the Vikings yeah. offensive coordinator, played at CSU, was a safety. He was a quarterback's coach for the Broncos, so he has experience you know, working with QBs, developing them. On top of that, Minnesota's offense has been awesome this year. No, they've been stellar. I mean, that's, that's not their stellar. problem. And what I like about him is I think with that that zone blocking scheme and just the the run heavy background, he can kind of come in and he can build off of what a, what Adazio has tried to establish in the trenches. You have some you know decent running backs, some guys you could do well off of. I could really see him coming in and, and doing well with this. Obviously, the big counter is you know. Would he even be interested in leaving the NFL? There some some rumors he might even be in NFL head coaching conversations, so it's, it's yeah, tough to say. I, I think he'll be a dark horse for some NFL jobs. I mean, obviously that Kubiak, Shanahan, McVeigh, Stefanski coaching tree is as attractive and uh, hot as any. Um, it doesn't hurt that members of that Vikings front office have kind of spread their wings or, you know, friends of his dad's are still around. And uh, he would be a slam dunk hire. He he would be the exact opposite of Tony Alford, right? Just in he, terms of ex- game, he's experienced in game management. He's, he's probably one of the hottest young play callers in the football world. Yeah. But he's so pro heavy. He would need so much help on the recruiting side. That's the thing so is he doesn't help. have a ton of college experience. Did yeah. get his coaching career started at AM where he started as quality control and eventually right. worked his way up to like the wide receivers coach, I believe, before he came to the Broncos as the QB coach. Um yeah, fair. Nicholas Toffelmeyer, NFL OCs to CSU HC, give me bad memories, obviously referencing Steve Fairchild. Though Steve He recruited I, though. Everyone that McElwain had success Steve, with yes. was Fairchild's guys. That's so, right. Like, Steve set the foundation that McElwain was able to win off of but I hear you, Nick. And I'm kind of with my guy, Mike Trout. Clint is coming to Denver. Like, I, 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 part of me does wonder if that's George Payton and John Elway have locked eyes a couple times and been like, but what about, I didn't what about consider that? my godson, Clint? Huh? And George is like, well, Clint was the brightest young coach on our staff for years. I'd love him, you know? So, okay. So I'll pivot. Gary Kubiak all in on gary um i have to assume his wife has told him gary we're done please stop this stop (laughs) this nonsense but i mean god he would be the most amazing troy calhoun counter in the whole wide world that's the thing is you just you'd get a guy he understands the region he obviously would have a ton of local high school ties just because he you know knows everybody in the state well, Again, he won a Super Bowl as the Broncos head coach. That matters a little bit around here. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I, I come back to a conversation I've had with a few people of what's harder, coaching in the NFL or in college. The fact that that's even a question with a guy with his. It's I, a good point. And he's, you know, he's a little doable. old school. Like I could see him not wanting to have to jump through right, all the hoops that right, you have to jump yes. through when it comes to you know wooing 16 and 17 year old kids and you know social media right. and or donors like it's a good point both it's, ends it's a completely I different job totally see gary as like, i don't either and that's why yeah. i like clint a lot better in that regard i think he right. would be he'd embrace it a lot more oh, just younger. like i could see him dude. leaning in and obviously 
He'd be I perfect. mean, Clint played at CSU, so... Yeah, it helps. While Gary's drafted CSU guys, Clint is a Ram. One was always around the program. I mean, we would always see him at the pro days. I think he was a big reason why BC. there was kind of a pipeline there for yeah. a minute um, to the Broncos and then to, to Minnesota with BC. So um, he, he's definitely stayed connected. Some other candidates I've seen, uh, guys with, with Colorado ties, Ryan Walters, the Illinois defensive coordinator. He's a CO native. Played at CU, uh, did really great things with the Missouri defense for about a half decade, kind of transformed it. Illinois' defense this year was okay. I mean, yeah. they kept them in the game, but that's it's tough when you're trying to stop Ohio State and Michigan right. and and those teams. But but an established SEC coordinator with Colorado yeah. ties. You could do and a that lot never worse. Hurts. Yep, yep. On top of that, I mean, you don't want to make a hire just for this reason, but, I mean, CSU's never had – an African-American totally, football yeah. coach yeah, for 100%. him or Tony Alford. That could definitely help from an optics standpoint. Absolutely. Jim McElwain, the reunion. All you have to say is Utah State. All you have to do is explain to someone in a 20-second elevator pitch what Blake Anderson has done at Utah State to explain the McElwain hire to a Rams fan. That's That's correct. I mean, he, would, he could come in and completely reju- you know, rejuvenate the offense. He's a quarterback guy. He's a great recruiter. Yeah. He burned so many bridges when he left. And the way that that whole process worked out with Florida's AD flying in, CSU basically getting bullied, them like being like, we're here. There's nothing you can do about it. Those negotiations were hostile. And there are important donors that I don't know if they could ever look past the way that they felt like they were slighted. I'll say this. Did it hurt more to get slighted after winning and being relevant and being a top 25 program? Or did it hurt more to be a, you know, a laughing stock for the majority of the last half decade? For me, I'd rather be a stepping stone because that at least means you're winning. Administratively, how many people are still left from? And that's the other thing. It's a, it's a new president. It's not the same AD. So like there's, there's a lot that. But the donors is 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 the The big question. Donors is a great point. Again, though, like winning heals a lot. And I think there's a lot of people where if McElwain came in and, you know, they were a bowl team right off the way. Totally, man. Totally. It'd be water under the bridge. Well, not just winning. To these these donors, winning means donating money and knowing it's not just getting flushed down the Exactly. Yeah. And ultimately, like, I'd rather have a guy that's a proven winner. I mean... Say what you want about the whole Florida tenure. He went to back-to-back SEC championships. He has Central Michigan back in a relevant position again. The dude's a winner. Well, it was a perfect fit. Uh, coaching hires in college football, yeah, sure. Anyone can hire Urban Meyer or Nick Saban. It's going to be a slam dunk. No shit. Every other case, though, it's almost always a matter of lining up perfect candidate for the perfect time a mm-hmm. program is in. And the perfect, what the program needs. And McElwain, objectively, is a really nice fit. Well, he was that in 2012. Really nice and I fit. think nine years later, he could <laughs> do that exact same thing. To a T, yes. The exact same thing. He's Just come back in. Yep. And honestly, having experienced everything that went down at Florida... If he had success, I don't think he's necessarily just jumping for any Power 5 job. Like, obviously, you know, if somebody big enough came back into the picture, that's that's just the reality as a Mountain West school. But 
I don't yeah. think he would jump for anything because he's already been through that. Like, you know, it's, the grass isn't always greener. Yeah, no, I think he's kind of learned some things. Yep. Yep. And he, I mean, he knows what he can do at the. That one to me is extremely intriguing. It's he messy, and Clay though. Kubiak it's would messy. be my top two choices. I would put Alfred as third just because, at least, at the very minimum, Alfred gets people excited. I'll, if he, if I mean, I'll be ecstatic if they hire him just because I'm like, sure. you want to know what? It's sure, something sure, to be sure, excited sure. about. I'm cautiously optimistic. I have plenty of skepticism, but I mean, there, there's flaws with anybody that you bring in. That's um, yeah. That's my guy Dre's got to get going here. So just we're just gonna throw a couple more candidates out, and then I will talk a little bit of basketball as well. Um, Gary Patterson, Matt Wells, Rocky Long, all kind of kings of the G5. G5 Kings here. <laughs> all guys that have coached, they've all been to Mountain West Championship games. They've done it. I will say Patterson, probably going to land a P5 job. Probably not a realistic candidate. Though you, you never, know, never know. You never know. His cons, I would say, I mean, TCU, you could see there was a drastic fall off these last couple of years. They just, they weren't recruiting well. They didn't have the same talent as the other teams in the Big 12. Also, really prickly guy. Like, He's kind of very similar to Adazio in terms of if he's not winning right away, I could see that getting ugly pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And Texas heavy. Yeah. He doesn't know much outside of Texas. And that could be tough because, I mean, you can can get guys out here, but there's no Texas schools in the Mountain West. So that's a tough sell. Mm -hmm. Yep, 100%. Uh, Of those guys, is Gary the one who intrigues you most? Or I think just from a resume perspective, he has to be like if you were CSU and you Gary Patterson wanted to come here, you'd probably almost have to do it. I think yeah, just because no he's right. so successful, right? But I don't think necessarily it's the best fit. Like you said, Texas wise, yeah, yeah. I I would rather see somebody young and inspiring at this point. Yeah. So which is the case against. Really, all of them. McElwain. Everyone but Alfred. And Kubiak. And Kubiak, but, but that's a different... How young is Alfred, though? And he's not that young. Right, yeah. he's not. Yeah. He's not like a uh, Harold young, yeah. you know. But at least it would be somebody where it's like, all right, we're trying something fresh here. Yes, yes. And I think that's yes. the ultimate selling point. Right, right. We'll see. I mean, those are just obviously some names that I... 53, 53 years yeah. old. Shout out to our man, Yahir producing um i mean ultimately like no matter who you bring in if you have success you're probably going to get poached would it help if you could bring in somebody that would love to stay here yes but again it's kind of like the you can't get too fixated on like one thing you know it has to be a csu alum or it has to be an older guy so they don't leave or it has to have head coaching experience ultimately just win just find a guy that can win and if he ends up leaving because you're a top 25 team so be it. Then find another good coach and bring him in. You can do that. You just, 100%. It falls on leadership to hire the right guys. That's exactly right. And, and they dropped the ball this last time. And if this time around, I would love it if they could understand a little better what the coach who did have success, why he why he's leaving for Florida, what we need to try and replicate. Exactly. Don't just look at resumes and say, well, shit, I'll see Georgia. I'll see you. Well, Urban Meyer likes him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that ain't it. That's a whole other ordeal, though. Yeah. Uh, Dre, thank you so much for coming My on pleasure. to talk candidates with me. Don't yeah. go, guys. I'm going to keep talking hoops here. But football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. 
With the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If you are a current customer, that's okay. Get some skin in the game with the same game parlay. That's where you combine multiple bets from the same game to get a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Bet $1 on any team to score. Win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with the promo code DNVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Uh, just a, a couple of final thoughts here on CSU football before I transition just into some hoops talk. I'm going to end up doing another hoops uh, podcast that previews the St. Mary's games more in depth, but I did want to get a little hoops talk in just because it's a big week, baby. Rams are 8-0. St. Mary's coming to town. I am freaking pumped. Um, but with CSU, you just you've got to bring in somebody that's going to get people excited again. You've got to get the fans feeling like there's reason to be hopeful because it just, it hasn't been that way in a long time. And it's been so hard losing every single game that matters. You don't have any wins over CU. You don't have any wins over Air Force, Wyoming, Boise State, no postseason wins, just nothing to feel good about. It's got to, it's got to turn. It's got to turn because the landscape of college football is changing. And if CSU doesn't nail this hire, then they might fall into irrelevancy. Anyways, put all of that negativity, throw it out the rear view. We're transitioning into hoops. We're bringing the hype levels up. We're getting freaking pumped because number 47 in Kempom finally cracked the top 50. We've got a question here. How do you feel about the matchup this Saturday? Predictions. I, I like CSU in it. And again, I'll get to that St. Mary's game. Um, they really bog you down. You know, they, they're like a 330th or something in adjusted tempo. They really dictate the pace of the game. They're tremendous defensively. So it's going to be a tough one, but CSU, you know, they're, they're coming off of a, a nice impressive win. I think this was probably the most impressive complete victory for CSU. You're not really playing a great team, but it was just a great showing of depth altogether. You get a ton of production out of the bench Right now, you've got Jalen Lake and Chandler Jacobs, and all the and John Tanjay just coming off the bench and really picking it up on a game to game basis. And it, it's just, it's such a strength for this team. I mean, you've got four different guys averaging ten plus a game, but you've got five others averaging at least four and a half a game. It's a really complete team. Like this is probably the deepest Rams team since the Tim Miles era, maybe ever. To be honest, I mean, when you think about the way that. They can just create shots all over the floor. The talent that they have, especially at the guard position, it's it's absurd. Kind of diving into the national rankings a little bit. CSU currently fourth in the field goal or fourth in the nation in field goal percentage at 0.536. They're ninth in two point percentage, seventh in three point percentage, and ninth in points per game at 86.8. They have been lethal offensively, and while they aren't perfectly on, on defense at this point. You'd like to see them bring up the d- the defensive efficiency metrics a little bit. They're currently 119th in adjusted defense, according to Ken Palm. They're 16th in adjusted offense, obviously kind of living by their offense. You'd like to see them be a little bit more consistent on that end. I think we've seen them flash enough to 
be confident, at least at this stage. They're going to get tested. I mean, the St. Mary's game is big. Mississippi State, Alabama are going to be great tests. Alabama, especially with the way that they can just run you off the court. I think that's going to be a great test for this CSUD. But we're seeing them move in the right direction. And we're just, we're seeing them play with a confidence that is just, it's so rare at this level. Like you see them get down double digits and they just, they keep playing their game. Like they don't start jacking up hero ball threes. They don't start trying to force anything. I don't know. Like when you, when you have a guy like Isaiah Stevens running the point and just making everything work. I mean, he's basically got like a six to one assist to turnover ratio right now. 59 assists, only 10 turnovers, only a couple of turnovers over the last four games. Like he had, he tied the program record with 12 assists last night. He had zero turnovers. He's performing like vintage CP3 out there. And when you can when you can do that and you have one of your best players playing that unselfishly and that efficiency, that efficiently, excuse me, it just makes it so easy to score. And we're seeing with the numbers like CSU, they're just they can beat you from all over. And it, it helps when you've got David Roddy averaging 21 and 8. John and and uh DT are giving you 22 and 8. You're getting 30 out of the rest of the rotations. I just like I think when you look at this team as an opposing coach, I think you got to be scratching your head thinking like, how are we supposed to stop this team? And obviously Saturday is, is going to be a great test with St. Mary's seven and one, uh, number 35 in Kempom. They take on Utah state tonight in Logan. So I think it's going to be a great opportunity for Ram fans to kind of get a feel of their style. Again, I told you they like to really dictate the pace of the game. They slow things down. They control it with their defense. They work it in the half court. They're not a team that likes to get out and run in transition you know, they're, they're really methodical with their approach and they just kind of wear you down. Utah State, that's a physical challenge. And to play that game in Logan, you know, less than 48 hours before they have to come to Moby Arena, that's a big advantage for CSU. That's something, you know, a couple weeks ago, I didn't really realize that they had to play that game against Utah State first. Nice little uh, tough two-game road trip there for the Gales going to Utah State and CSU. Kudos to them for not being scared to to travel. I mean, Home, home court advantage makes m- more of a difference in college basketball than just about anything. And, and ultimately, that's why I feel really good on Saturday. I think it's going to be rocking on Moby. Obviously, I trust the roster, but I just think it's going to be an incredible atmosphere. I mean, we already saw it last night. BYU, number 12 team in the country. They go to Utah Valley as 13-point favorites. They lost in overtime. Killed my five-leg parlay. Absolutely killed me. But that's where, you know, home court advantage, you know, kind of plays a factor. And so I'm, I'm really looking forward to CSU in this one. Great opportunity. I think if they win it, it's going to be really close to getting them in the AP top 25. Maybe not quite enough yet, just because, you know, in the Mountain West, they always make you earn it and then earn it like four more times before they give you the validation that you deserve. But who cares? Like, ultimately, that's the, the thing that's this so fun about this team is, they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Like unless something absolutely absurd happens and their season just completely falls apart, they're not going to be even like a fringe team. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. So like we don't have to really care what the national perception is. We don't have to care what Boulder fans think. We don't have to care what anyone thinks. We know how good this team is. We get to watch them every night and I'm just stoked. I'm absolutely stoked to see how the rest of this season played out. I think Today is the most united I've seen CSU Twitter in a long time, just between the excitement for the St. Mary's game. The, the women's program is rolling. They they hung really well against a top 10 Louisville team on Sunday. And then obviously the news that Adazio has gone. I just, it, it's nice to, to see Ram fans smiling a little bit. And uh, 
I'm really excited. Make sure you go check out our David Roddy shirt. I posted on Twitter a bunch of times. You can grab it now and support our main man, officially licensed in collaboration with him. That thing is gorgeous. You are going to love it. I think that's about it. That's about all I have on on this basketball game. Like I said, I'm going to do a more in-depth podcast. I had it 45 minutes planned of just hoops for today. And then the news dropped that Adazio was fired and I had to throw everything out. I didn't get to be on the draft pod. I'd done a bunch of prep for that. But that's this industry. You know, sometimes crazy stuff happens. Sometimes you get surprised. I I genuinely did not expect CSU to fire Adazio this fast. Like for them to be this decisive, it was encouraging. Like they, the, the admin, they've kind of dropped the ball a couple times these last couple of years. They really got to nail this one. So far, acting swiftly, acting decisively. I think that's the right call. All right, I'm Justin Michael. This is all we have. Thank you to everybody that has tuned in. Thank you to everybody that's commented. We will have more content. Obviously, I'll, I'll have written stuff, kind of breaking this whole situation down, talk more about who I think fits are. We'll dive into the rumors, all of it. But uh, for now, just enjoy it, Ram fans. Enjoy this good day, and uh, we'll be back with more content throughout the week. I'm Justin Michael. Much love. Peace, y'all. Thank you.